Amen. Aren't you encouraged? I mean, it's fun to give stuff away. I mean, it really is. There's a lot more reward in giving than actually receiving. Receiving is really fun, but, but giving just seems to outlast even the things we receive sometimes, especially around Christmas. So we're happy to be able to give to people and bless different folks in the city. And again, as Chris said, it's because you guys are a generous people. And, um, and if we maintain that attitude, I believe God loves to bless generosity. And so our hope is that even as we gave these different individuals, organizations, that that just money gets multiplied out to bless others in the midst. Well, um, for me growing up, um, we always attended Christmas Eve services. And so growing up, I was part of Southern Baptist churches and Bible churches, and they usually do a huge Christmas Eve service. And, and, and so for me, my family, I always looked forward to it, you know, um, uh, I, I love singing all the Christmas carols, and we always had candles. Now, today, we had candles that weren't actually real because we didn't want to burn the house down, um, but when I was growing up, we had candles and had the wax burning. It was so much fun, and, and, and I love something about showing up to church on Christmas Eve, just getting to put everything in its rightful place, which is putting Jesus at the center, just felt right, and, um, and, and I, had, I had the privilege of, of doing that growing up. Um, and, you know, today our heart, and I don't know if you've been with us very long, you may have been with us for six months or, or eight, nine years as a church, but we've never actually done a service on Christmas Eve um, because in large part, a lot of our people usually leave. Uh, and so this is your first time here. This is about as small as it ever gets at Antioch Community Church. And so you're feeling cozy and you got space in between you and just soak that up because uh, that won't last. All right. Um, but this morning, we're going to wrap up this series uh, that we've been doing called The Promise of Christmas. And um, we've been looking at Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, kind of unpacking the story of, of the angel coming to Mary and the shepherds and all the different stuff that's happening with Jesus' birth. So today, we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 2. But just to give you a little bit of context before we jump into it, um, a, a, a decree has been issued um, by Caesar, by the Roman Empire, to everyone in the region to say, you all need to return back to your hometown, right? So return back to your actual birthplace. And so Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary, right? They weren't, they weren't actually married yet. They were engaged in our modern day terms. They were engaged. And Joseph had to return back to his town. So he traveled back to the region of Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Right, so that's where Joseph headed back to, and so Joseph and Mary are there. And as you've heard, um, our team just do a great job unpacking the story. We're going to wrap it up today by turning to verse six and seven, and it says this: "And while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth." Speaking of Mary, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. There's no place for them in the end. Now, what I love about this whole story is that in the Old Testament, in the Bible, multiple different prophets actually wrote about and spoke about the events that were going to be taking place around Jesus' birth. One of them was Micah. And in Micah chapter 5, he literally speaks of God promising that his son would be born in Bethlehem. Isn't that crazy? Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, and what's crazier to think about is how that God actually orchestrates things, even though we don't see it coming. Who would have seen Caesar Augustus, a non-believer, by the way, not a friend of Christianity, he then orchestrated this, this Roman Empire deal for everyone to go back to their hometowns just around the timing of around nine months for old Mary to deliver Jesus, right? 
I mean God working through the Roman Empire to fulfill his promises. Why does that matter? It matters because we have to understand that as smart as we are, and as knowledgeable as we think we are, and thankful to Google and the rest of them for making us smarter, we think, in the moment, right? As smart as we are and all that sort of stuff, there are so many things that the hand of God is doing that you will never be able to connect the dots to. What's exciting, though, is to be able to look back and say, oh, my goodness, this, that, and the other. If all of us could just even go back in time and say, hey, hang on a second. If you're married in the room, just say, hey, let's trace back all the little intricate steps that had to happen for the two of you to get married, right? And all the, how did that happen? The unexpected journey. Me and Ashley's journey was very unexpected, very left field, and it came out of nowhere, and here we are today, right? I mean, God's hand is at work. So I want to encourage you, church, when you don't think God is moving, you are wrong, so just think, next time, man, God's not showing up. Wrong. Just, just have a little meter that goes off. Wrong. He's always moving. God's not sleeping. He's not like us. We're made in his image. He's not made in our image. We're made in his image, right? And so we're trying to live our lives to align our lives more like Jesus. That's the goal of the Christian life is just to every day chip away at our, 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 our past and to say, I'm going to embrace the new self, and I'm going to try to follow Jesus a little more narrower today, try to be a little more kinder, because that's who Jesus is. And it's not about just trying to all of our efforts. It's understanding this is who Jesus is, this is who he's made me to be. Therefore, if I just start living that way, then I can become more like him, right? And so here, God's promise is being fulfilled. And the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth were very humbling, right? I haven't taken a poll, but most of you were probably not born amidst a bunch of animals outside, right? I mean, you probably weren't born in a modern-day barn. Maybe some of you were amongst the haystacks, and that's cool. But most of you weren't. You were born in a hospital, maybe at home, something else. But at least you had air conditioning and kind of a semi-clean environment, right? But Jesus was not. Jesus was born next to the animals. Jesus was born in a place where it was very humbling, and he was born where it wasn't even known about. It wasn't like everyone was shouting, hey, he's over here yet. The angels had to be the ones to alert everybody else. Jesus has been born. So let's continue on into verse 8 through 12. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now I want to highlight this phrase the angels say, Fear not, for behold, I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news, great joy for all the people. Because up to this point in time, it was just for a select few. It was just for the Jews. They were the, they were the chosen people of God. But then the angel says, there's someone coming who's not just going to be the savior of the Jews. He's going to be the savior for every tribe, tongue, and nation on the earth. Every racial group, every ethnicity, every socioeconomic class, every person living, breathing, there's an opportunity for Jesus to come and be their Savior. Now, the good news I share with the kids is, is the gospel. Literally, that's what, that's what it is. It's the Savior. Christ the Lord is born. Now, Christ, you may not know this, but um, 
But in the Hebrew is the word Messiah. So Messiah is actually a Hebrew word. So Messiah is what you see. So the Messiah has come. So the Jewish people would speak of the Messiah one day is coming. What they're saying is the Christ, the chosen one, the Savior. And it is a title for him. And the prophets actually spoke of the Messiah because the Christ is a title for who he is. I want to read for you just a few of the prophets in the Old Testament. Remember, there's many prophets that God spoke to, and they wrote down the things that God spoke to them about. And here's what they said about the Messiah. Isaiah proclaimed the virgin birth and described him as the fruitful branch that would bring redemption, restoration, and blessings in life. Isaiah also said that the Messiah would be a light to the Gentiles. Micah prophesied that he would come through the royal line of David. Amos spoke of the Messiah fulfilling God's covenant promises to the nations. Jeremiah said he would be the king of righteousness. Ezekiel prophesied that he would restore and shepherd his people. And Malachi wrote that the Messiah would bring healing to the people. So when the angels say to the shepherds who are just hanging out with their sheep, hey, I've got really good news that's going to bring a lot of joy, and it's going to be for all the people. They are saying everything the prophets have spoken of is coming to pass. It is being fulfilled this night. So here's my question. Are you excited about the good news? Like, Are you excited to hear the good news? Because that's what this is. This whole story, this whole Bible is about good news. So the question for us at Christmas is, are we excited to hear the good news? I'm going to continue on in verse 13 and 18. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I love the response of the shepherds. They're like, with haste, let's get out of here. Let's go find this baby. They didn't sit around and wait. They, I don't even think they took their sheep. I think they just ditched their sheep. They said, see you later. We got other things to do here. I mean, they literally, with haste, they, I, I picture them running in the dark, by the way, without their cell phones to guide them, right? So they are running, and they're heading over to go see Jesus. What a moment for them. It's a, it's, and, and it's not only this wild moment with them encountering these angels, but the fact that there's a multitude, which means there's thousands and thousands and thousands of angels singing. That's a pretty cool spectacle. Which means they had an encounter with God that was like no other. They had an experience. And for us, experiences change us. Experiences actually change us more than just conversations. When we experience something, it does something to our brain, our mind, our heart, our entire being that just changes us forever. Especially when it's something unexpected. And um, although all of us didn't wake up today with an angelic chorus, I don't think, singing around you about Jesus and the most high God that could have happened. But I think for most of us, we've had experiences with God, right? I can remember when the earthquake happened in Haiti a number of years ago. Um, Antioch was assembling teams. There's different Antioch churches that we're associated with around the country. And we were assembling teams to go down to Haiti just to do relief care with nurses and doctors and counselors and pastors just to help people. And it was like a war zone. 
And we went down about six, seven months later, and we brought a team that could kind of continue some of the work. And we went just for five days. And in those five days, we sat down with our team. We said, hey, guys, we've got about four to five days to start a church. That's all we got. Because these people, their houses could be torn down again. They could have disease run through their towns, and disease did. Cholera and everything's broke out around the island. But here's what we know. If they have Jesus, if they have Jesus, they have an eternal hope. They have a salvation. If we only give them food and water without Jesus, we've just left them empty after the, day, after the waters ran out. So we went down there and we shared and we went into these places. They actually set up in their soccer stadiums. They set up these tent cities, which essentially were a bunch of blue tarps that they helped pitch up. People donated food tarps from all around the world, or all these tarps, and then they would they'd pitch, these, pitch all, these, all these little tents. You have to remember, the earthquake happened, but then also massive flooding would happen, and the people... Whenever it rained really severely, it would kind of go up about a foot into all the little tents and wash everything out. So people try to build beds up above the ground. And you could see little toothbrushes stuck up in their tents, and this is all they had. I mean, they barely were living with anything. Maybe the clothes they were wearing, and that was about it. So we went into some places, and, you know, you had to translate from Haitian Creole and French and English and had to go through. We had these Bible lessons we would go through, and we would talk to people, and several people turned us down and said, I don't want to talk. But some were open. Some were hungry. They, they wanted to hear the good news. And so we would talk with them. And this one particular girl, we met with her. And, and my wife and others met with her and started kind of uh, translating things to her. And she really wanted more of Jesus. And then we had them go get some friends. And then the next day we came back and we started to gather. And we told her, we said, you need to share your testimony with everyone here. So she started sharing her testimony. And we were in a tent that was no bigger than maybe 20 by 10, all right? So think, think tailgating in A&M, and that's about how big that little tent was, right? Well, as the tent's happening, now it's Haiti, and it's hot. It's the summer, right? It is a sweat fest in there, and it's, this, it's, it's like this, 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 this little greenhouse. We're all in there, and it's like stifling. So it's not this, like, great, cozy environment. She walks in there, gets up, begins sharing her testimony in her own language, and people start responding. And then other people start hearing. They start coming in, and then we tell them, let's start worshiping. And so people just start worshiping. They start worshiping Jesus. They start celebrating Jesus. And I cannot tell you exactly all that happened in that moment, but for about an hour, hour and a half, there was a heavenly moment reality on planet Earth that was taking place. People worshiping, repenting, and these are people that have lost everything. Most of them have lost family members. None of them came out unscathed. They have lost so much, and yet the message of Jesus and people testifying of, I want to be done with my old life or with the witchcraft or things I've been involved in, and I want him, there was something about it, and we just kind of watched it happen. It wasn't like we're rolling into town to kind of usher in all this stuff. We simply were the messengers, and I just want to say that we are called to be like the angels many a times to come bring a message to people, and then they have a choice to then respond and run to it or not. But that day marked me. It marked us. It marked a little team of people that went as just a day where God just showed up and made himself plain as day. And people encountered God. People got saved. People got healed. There were healings happening all over the tent. There were people worshiping. Remember, we recorded from the video, and it was just unreal, the moment that was happening. And I just want to say to us that God has given you and will give you moments, moments like that, when you're like, I don't, I can't describe it. It's just different, but I know he's here. 
And I would ask of us to, to not forget those moments, to not lose sight of those, because not every waking moment of your life is like that. We can all think that if we're idealists, but that's not reality. Reality is that we go through a lot of our life, but then there's these moments where God just carves up the space and says, aha, here, where you just have a sense of awe moment. So the question is, are you excited not just to hear the good news, but to actually tell it? Are you excited to tell the good news? Last night, my wife was actually went to Walmart for a little last-minute shopping, and uh, we just got home from doing Christmas with family and drove in where I'm unpacking. She heads out, and we got to get a few more gifts for the kids, and she goes to Walmart last night, and she's there, and she's shopping um, for, for Evelyn, and she's, we're trying to get her one more gift, and so she's got these two things, and she's this, this little four-year-old girl with her mom, and, and she thinks she's four, and she's like, hey, she's like, hey, you look like my daughter's age. Which one do you think she would like better? And the girl's like, oh, totally that one. So she picks out, she's like, great, well, that sounds great. Ashley and her mom started talking a little bit, and she was saying, yeah, we're just trying to get all these presents and stuff, and Ashley made the comment somewhere in that. She said, well, yeah, for us, we just get three presents each of our kids, and the lady said, three presents? Why do you do that? She said, well, you know, because Jesus, he got three presents, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, when he was born. And she said, I'd never heard that before. He got what? She said, well, yeah, when Jesus was born, he got three gifts. She said, I didn't know this. Is that a Christmas thing? <laughs> and this lady is there at Walmart in College Station, Texas, who has never heard about Jesus and the wise man and gifts and isn't really sure what Christmas is. This, this isn't um, like just the Middle East. This is College Station, Texas, right? I mean, aren't, aren't we like the Bible Belt? Right? But I'll just say on every belt, there's a few holes, aren't there? And, and, and I just want to say that, that in our town, there are people. In fact, my son, Ethan, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the story of Jesus. He was like, Dad, everybody knows that. I said, uh-uh. Everybody does not know that story. He thinks so because he comes here and he's got friends and stuff, but uh-uh. Can I just encourage you guys? Not everyone knows the story. In fact, most don't. If they know a story, they know some version that's actually not biblical. <laughs> so I want to encourage us to be excited to tell the good news. The last thing is this in verse 19 through 20. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told I'm going to read this line again, but in the New Living Translation, it says this in verse 19. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Pondering. Thinking about something often. Psalm 77, 12 says, I will ponder all your work and meditate. Meditate on your mighty deeds. David writing the Psalms, ponder. That's not something that we do a lot as Americans right? We're, we're good at being busy. We're good at being complicated. We're good at filling our schedules. And we're good at not being sitting still, right? In fact, for you guys to sit still for 35 minutes is pretty impressive, like without being on your phone the whole time. And if you are, you can repent after the service. But, <laughs> but honestly, we're not wired that way, are we? All the technology, all the gizmos, all the entertainment, I mean, when was the last time you went four hours without a device or media or anything besides being locked down in the woods on a camping trip where there's no service? Like, when did you make the choice to just say, you know what? No, everything's going to wait, and I'm going to just sit for a moment. 
And I'm just going to look up to the stars say, wow. No, I'm going to wake up early with my coffee. I'm just going to stare at that sunrise. I can't believe this, God. You know, I'm going to sit there in this journal and say, God, let's just go back in time a little bit. What is it that you've done for me to actually keep me alive at this day and time? You ever done that? The amount of times your life could have been lost, I have, and it's humbling. The amount of times he literally rescued me, not just from my sins, but literally physically rescued me from death multiple times. Being at car accidents or different things that have happened, and it's like, whoa, Mary gives us a model. She pondered. And, you know, she carried this baby for nine months and gave birth to Jesus, and she, I imagine she pondered this whole journey she just went on. Wow, I'm pregnant with God's son. I still don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just a, a young teenage girl, and Joseph's been kind of bewildered by this whole thing, and, and now I'm with horses and cows and these random shepherds who stink, and here I am, and I'm giving birth to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the, Christ, the Messiah. This is what our people have been waiting for for thousands of years? This? She pondered it. She treasured it in her heart. Are you excited to, to ponder things? Are you excited to actually think about things often? Because I think we should. And so I want to give you just a little tip here at Christmas time. I would encourage you, many of you have off from work or school, whatever it may be, and over the next seven days, you have an amazing opportunity to take some time. I don't care if you have one kid or 12 if you're a newlywed or single, it doesn't matter because Jesus doesn't say, only follow me when it works out for your stage of life. He says, follow me all the days of your life. That means your days are going to be pretty complicated and kind of have some turns in it. But what if you, over the next seven days, just spoke, as a, spoke to your spouse, your roommate said, hey, we're going to commit to carving out some time just to ponder. You know, just we're going to sit around. We're just going to think. And so I would encourage you, take a couple hours. Take half a day. Go out to the woods and I would encourage you to turn your phone off and leave it. Don't take it with you. My phone's been distracting me late, guys. Seriously, I'll get up in the morning, want to spend time with Jesus, just to listen to some worship, and I'll find myself checking something or looking at an email. So the day the Lord convicted me again, and I've done this before and just said, Tyler, put the phone away. I'm like, oh, yes, Lord. Just put it away. Don't even take it with you. Because it's a distraction, guys. It can be helpful, but it can also take us down a little bit of a trail. I want to encourage you to take some time here while you're not busy with work and sports schedules and all that sort of stuff. Just take a moment and just to sit and be with God. Trust me, your family will be very thankful if you get away with God. Your marriage will actually be better if you get away with him and just to ponder the goodness of God. It'll, it'll probably resolve a lot of your arguments because you'll end up coming back and repenting. You'll end up extending forgiveness and working through things. But let's not be a people that just kind of go with the natural run and round of life, but let's be a people that actually say, I'm going to think about the good news of Jesus and who he is in my life and what he's done for me. Amen? Amen. So let's stand. We're going to celebrate Jesus as we end today. And, you know, our heart as a church is to be a people that when we gather together, that something special happens. Your personal relationship with Jesus is amazing, but it's not supposed to happen without the community. The community of God is supposed to be part of your weekly life. It's supposed to be part of your schedule. It's, 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 a, it's a necessary thing. So when we gather and we worship God, there's something powerful that happens when the people of God get together and say, yes, we're going to lift our hands to you. We're going to worship you. We're going to sing to you. We're going to give our affections to you. So here's what I want us to do. For the next five minutes, I want you to remove all distractions, all hindrances from your mind and your heart. I'm just going to pray for us. We're just going to worship 
Jesus. And our team's gonna lead us into a place of worship, but I just want us to be singly focused on him. Don't think about Chris's presence or what you're doing for lunch. Put all that aside. You can think about that in five minutes. But for right now, I want us to ponder. I want us to think about it. I want us to sing to the Lord Jesus. So Lord, we thank you. We love you. We are so grateful for you that you came to live on this earth to rescue us. And we know that you died on the cross and then you rose from the grave 33 years after you were born. You did it for us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So I pray for anyone this morning that's wrestling with that question. Do I have eternal life? Or when I die, is that it? Is it over? And if you're wrestling this morning with that question, I want you to know that salvation is for you. The angels 2,000 years ago said, hey, (laughs) this is good news not just for a select few. It's good news for all people. So if you want to invite Jesus to your heart right now, you can. You can just pray with me right now. You can say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I need saving. Will you forgive me for everything I've done? And I want you to come live in my heart and change me so that I can start living according to your ways, not my ways. And help me to put the past behind me and to follow you every day this day forward. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You just prayed that prayer this morning. I want you to tell someone. You don't know anyone here? Just grab someone random and say, hey, I want to tell you, I just I just said yes to Jesus. And we're going to worship Jesus because that's why we're celebrating Christmas. Amen. All right, let's worship, church.